Welcome back to another episode of Fun Views Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Pops. Today is a very special episode that I've been looking forward to for quite some time. We have two guests, Brian and Candace Breckin, who happen to be husband and wife. Brian has been a coder since he was eight years old, and after dropping out of college, worked for several major tech companies such as IBM, ADP, and Apple. Brian started and built a company called Kairos, which focused on facial recognition technology. Candace studied economics and statistics, but became an entrepreneur and built an app called Hello Parent before working with an accelerator, funding minority-owned and operated startups, and subsequently launching Lightship Capital. Brian and Candace started Lightship Capital to provide growth capital to minority-owned and operated businesses in the Midwest. They're fully subscribed and looking forward to launching Fund 2 down the road. Welcome to FunView's podcast, Candace and Brian. Uh, very excited to have you both on the podcast. This is the first podcast with um, with two people and the first one with a female guest, which we're very excited about. Um, hopefully it continues a trend, but uh, uh, I think your story is very unique and, um, and you know, I, I'm really excited to have you on. But um, I guess to start for for the listeners and guests, if, um, if you have any, uh, you know, quick background you can give me on, I guess I'll start um, either with Brian or Candice, whoever wants to, to take the mic. Well, Ken, definitely the, the trailblazer are here for your show. <laughs> wow, that right. was so mean. That was so mean. <laughs> so I'm, I'm Candace Matthews Redkeen. Um, I'm one of the general partners at Lightship Capital. I'm also the founder of um, an accelerator program here in Cincinnati called Hillman Accelerator. It's been around for a few years and really was kind of the inspiration for starting the fund. So, um, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. And I'm Brian Brecking, also co-general partner with Candice uh, on Lightship Capital. Uh, we're a venture capital fund focused on women and minorities in the Midwest and South. Um, also, we're not doing that. Uh, I'm also a husband. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, we're, um, we're, you know, we're very excited to learn your story. So I guess starting at the, at the very beginnings, um, you know, Candice, I'll start with you. Where, where'd you go to school? How did you get interested in investing? How did you sort of, um, you know, fall into the space or or pursue this space, I guess? Um, oh, goodness. Well, I, I can say for sure that uh, venture capital wasn't even on the list of options when I decided to go to college. So I attended the University of Cincinnati, studied economics and statistics. Uh, thought that I wanted to go and work at the Bureau of Labor Statistics and realized that I struggled to sit still. Um, so I was an entrepreneur for a good 12 plus years. Um, I did a lot of consulting with small to medium sized businesses. Um, I'd go in with a team of folks, restructure the marketing and sales division, hire new leadership and kind of cycle through that. And I did that for, you know, for quite a long time. Um, about six years ago, I got a crazy idea to start an app after one of my children went out on a really um, terrible play date. Uh, so I created a small app here in Cincinnati called Hello Parent. We went through a local accelerator. Um, and it was really that that kind of led to, to everything in my, um, my journey into tech entrepreneurship, raised some capital, ran out of capital and realized that there's just a struggle for um, black people in particular to raise venture capital. Uh, so tried to figure out a way to, to solve that issue and solved it for my local community with an accelerator. 
That's yep. a great story. So, what did what did the app focus on? What was it? Um, you oh, said it was a it was putting together kind of play dates or. Yeah, yeah. I don't talk about it much because it was a. Um, <laughs> it was you know everybody has that thing. So it was a mobile app to help parents <laughs> connect and organize activities like play dates and mom's night out. On the back end, we were building some artificial and by by we uh, the the team at eighty four fifty one, which is mm-hmm. a data science firm owned by Kroger Corporation. They were helping helping to build some artificial intelligence to help parents make more informed decisions around uh, the purchases they were making. So, um, you know, two point four trillion dollars um, in kind of spending happens because mom decides, uh, and so that's mm-hmm. the work that we were doing. So it looked like a playdate app, but um, really, like we were trying to figure out how people were purchasing things. Great. So it's sort of like big data using that app to gather that data to make informed decisions as in marketing and, and yeah. advertising. Yeah. For example, um, you know, your children or some people's children play soccer every single year. Um, soccer lands on the calendar. Um, somebody's got to bring the snacks. So like just it's reminders around snacks for playdates or um, uh, somebody's going to need new shoes every year. They always lose their um, their mouth guard. So it's all of those things that a parent would need to purchase um, as their child either develops into something new or just there's there's always something new around a calendar that moms are going to have to purchase something for. Great. Well, uh, it sounds like both that and, and the um, the fund really, you, you found a, a problem and tried to create a solution. I haven't pitched that company in so long. I didn't know how to answer that. <laughs> I learned some things in that just now. I'm like, what else? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that. I like that. Yeah. I mean, it was a good thing. Yeah. I raised some money for it. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, and it got you into the space, right? And it opened up other doors. That's so. Right. That's uh, it's funny because like entrepreneurship, some people I feel like they're always like, you know, from day one, they're thinking, I want to be an owner. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to build something. But other people, they do it out of, you know, they either, again, fall into it or they do it out of necessity. Right. And they, they, they get stuck somewhere and they feel like the only way that they can um, provide value or, or keep doing what they want to do is by doing it themselves because it doesn't exist. And uh, it's really interesting to hear different sides of that story and, and, and to, you know, I think it goes a long way with Lightship too and, and what you guys are doing. Um, but uh, we'll stop there. So we'll, we'll give Brian a chance to speak maybe. Uh, Brian, what's your, your background? Um, you know, what, what kind of pulled you into this as well and, and uh, into this space? My story is a little different. So I am a uh, proud college dropout. Um, <laughs> all those kind of smarts. My, I'm a coder at heart. So as you know, mm-hmm. coders, oftentimes it's like more about this Mark Zuckerberg style. So mm-hmm. uh, coding since I was eight years old. Um, worked at IBM and Comcast in Philadelphia. Then took the job that changed my life. Took a job at Apple um, in 2010, right after the iPhone launch, and then all the way through the iPad launch. So wow, a period of just crazy growth. Um, Insane time period to work for for Apple. I'm I'm assuming. Oh yes, Steve was yeah. still there. Um, Tim Cook was in operations. He was not even famous, but Tim Cook you'd see yeah. in a grocery store, right? Um, yeah. Completely kind of a different time. Um, and then got to start a bug like Candace actually, um, and just started a company called Kairos, a facial recognition AI company. Started in California actually, and then knowing what Candace found out, it's difficult 
for African Americans to raise capital, particularly from venture capital funds. Uh, and so, when looking at that landscape, I realized that California had three startups for every one angel investor, and Florida had three angel investors for every one startup. And so, that was going to improve my chances, improve my odds of raising money, move the company from San Francisco to Miami in the, around 2013. Uh, or so, and then the company really took off from there. We raised about right. $3 million. Um, got to go 30, the largest 30 or 40 employees, um, about $120 million valuation, and then sold the company in 2018 after having a fight about facial recognition and selling to, to government or not. Um, oh, great. A private equity firm. And then joined Lightship. Great. Yeah, and Miami is such a such a diverse place, right? It's I feel like in in a lot of the capitals from Europe, South America, and other places, and and you know when they don't know what to do with it, they tend to buy condos. So <laughs> it ends up being this like massive you know condo development in, in you know propped up by a largely international capital, which is a different you know different than the rest of the United States. That's for sure. So yeah. Um, that's really interesting. So, so what with with Kairos, what what caused you, I kind of to really um, start Kairos? What what was the the trigger there for you? So, I often say, do you know how Elon Musk has this amazing like singular vision for like I am going to lower the amount of carbon in the mm-hmm. in the world, and I'm going to do that through all these iterative steps, the Model Three, the Model This, right? So slowly yep. kind of build it up. Um, so I'm not like that at all. <laughs> I'm the opposite of that. So my thing is iteration, iteration. Uh, the company started as a, as a time clock company. And we started using mm-hmm. facial recognition to verify that the person clocking in and clocking out on their phone really was the person we hoped it was uh, after people were cheating the system. And so eventually customers started saying, hey, uh, I really like your facial recognition. Um, I don't need the time clock though. Can I just buy that for this reason? For that reason, that was like the the stroke that really kind of made sense. Mm-hmm. Let's just have it be a facial recognition company and not a facial recognition time clock company. And that's when the company really took off. Got it. So you kind of let the customers dictate, you know, and tell you what they wanted, and then try and figure out how to provide that value. That's yeah, humble enough to listen to them. That's the key. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people they 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 get stuck, I think, in tunnel vision in in one direction, right? And they can't really, um, as you say, iterate. So interesting. So so now let's um, talk, I guess, more about Lightship and and what's the origin story there? What what really drove you? I know um, it it's, seems pretty clear that that's that's kind of the direction that you wanted to go to to some extent, or even if you didn't know know that, but. Um, you know why? Why start it? Um, how long? I guess it's fairly new. I imagine, right? It's was it last year or two years ago? Yeah, last year. Last year. Yeah. Last year. Yeah. Shall we? Yeah. Where do you want to start? <laughs> <laughs> so, I would. I'll say that it really starts. I asked her because it starts on really her work with the accelerator. Right? She yeah. was already working on these underserved populations, and underserved us is women of any color. Um, ethnic minorities or people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. All these groups are le- less likely to raise venture capital. Um, and so oftentimes in these groups, you have amazing founders uh, and, and an opportunity to do well for both our, you know, the, the firm, but also for our investors and by the entrepreneurs. 
It's kind of like a win-win-win situation, which mm-hmm. you don't always find in finance, as you and your listeners kind of know. And so we set off in 2019 with this thesis, started listening to a bunch of people. Um, we had really good mentors, like a gentleman named Mike Venerable here in town, who runs a, a fund called City Tech. And we told him what we wanted to do. And he said, think about this, think about that, do some research. Um, and we came to a, really a three-tiered system for the fund. At the highest level, focusing on the Midwest. Um, if, you, if you look at all the exits in the country, um, for every dollar you put in the Midwest, you get $5.17 back at exit. Um, this is because it costs less to build a great company in the Midwest because the costs are lower. Uh, but at, at exit, all valuations are normalized. If you're doing $50 million of revenue and you're in Iowa or you're in New York mm-hmm. City, you're going to get paid on a multiple of that. Right? And so because of that dynamic, you can do particularly well um, that way. So that, at the top of our funnel, it's we focus on that region of the country. And for us, Midwest is middle of the country. Um, the down level is underrepresented founders, which discussed, and of who those folks are, diamonds in the rough, you know, so to speak. Um, and then at the bottom, we only invest in five industries because those are the ones that we know best. And we can be the most helpful. And that's CPG, AI, sustainability, healthcare, and e-commerce. Great. And um, so what what sort of, um, you're, you're starting in the Midwest, but you're not just looking at the Midwest, right? You're, you're kind of looking all over or? Or how's that work? We definitely are looking all over. Um, so for us, like we believe that great companies grow in the Midwest. So we may find a company mm-hmm. on, a, on a coast and say, hey, we'd love to invest, but you would need to be kind of in the center of the country. And so, yeah. um, you know, through our work with the um, with the fund and through our foundation, like we're helping people to, to relocate um, to, to the Midwest. Great. And clearly there's, um, you, you have the ability to, to you know, I, I imagine at the beginning you were talking to a lot of minority owned or run businesses and and um, and getting to know what makes certain ones successful and other ones not as successful and, tr- and trying to figure that piece out. What, what in your mind is is really what, what creates a successful company? Is it the leadership? Is it the culture of the company? Is it the, the idea, innovation, I guess? I mean, I think it's- A little bit of all. It's a little bit of both. I think it's definitely like the founder is first. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and lots of people say that, but it's definitely like when you meet a founder and they just like knock your socks off, like they're just, you, you really, you sit there and you go, wow, I thought I was smart before I came into this room. <laughs> and then they start talking <laughs> and you just hear like the vision that a vision that you've never heard before. Um, yeah, we always look for a transformational founder. Like that's what we always say. Like, um, is that person transformational? And then of course the idea. Um, but that person has to be able to pivot and move in that idea over time mm-hmm. because it, it could potentially change um, just based on the market. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, it, it's definitely jockey. The horse can be iterated and helped. And we believe in ourselves to help them even sometimes think bigger. But if it's, if it's the right person, then you can work the rest out. Great. Um, so what what's some of the most successful investments that you've made so far that, you've, that you're so excited about? And it doesn't have to be successful in terms of dollars, but also impact. Um, you know, because in, in what you guys are doing, I clearly see it as, as an impact investment, um, you know, but also somewhere that, 
other people aren't looking, right? And you're looking under the rocks and you're seeing these and finding these founders and finding these companies that, you know, as Candace's background clearly proved that it's difficult as a minority to get funding, right? And so you're you're trying to help people, but at the same time, you know, I think it's a great investment philosophy. I think it's a great investment thesis because, um, you know, you, you clearly are, are going to build this niche and this edge on on other people looking for these types of investments. Yeah, we're at about we're at five investments at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, we've announced two. The third, and, and so you said this comes out weekly. So yeah. third will, the announcement will be. So I'll, I'll mention that one. Mm-hmm. So proof. So we um, we made an investment two weeks ago into a company called Prove. It's a progesterone ovulation test. So okay. it's the first in-home urine diagnostic tests for women to check their progesterone levels. So progesterone is one of the four hormones Mm -hmm. necessary to achieve and maintain a pregnancy. Um, The founder, Amy Beckley, Dr. Amy Beckley, um, she has a PhD in pharmacology and um, suffered seven of her own miscarriages and friends around her were having similar issues. Um, She realized that um, just through her own like personal testing, that mm-hmm. progesterone was the issue. And if you do a little research around for t- infertility issues, that for many women, that is the problem. Um, you're able to go to your fertility specialist and have y- your blood sampled and checked, um, mm-hmm. but that's not easy. So it's easier to just like at home, pee on a stick and, and make it work. Um, so that's our first or our third investment from the fund. Um, that company we've known for a few years went through um, our accelerator programming back in 2018. And, uh, you know, for us, it's just, it's exciting. Women's health for, for me and for Brian and the rest of the team, like it's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not certain why we've gotten this far into, um, I don't know, the world and humanity before we decided we were going to tackle women's health, considering I, 80% of the population. I but don't understand it either. Yeah, but here we are now, and we're um, we're niche investors. What's crazy to me is that someone hasn't thought of that idea before yet. They're doing things like Twenty Three and Me, and 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 you know, much more complicated um, health um, products out there. That, right. right. You know, and like this seems like something extremely simple with a clear customer, clear demand, clear market. That you know, it doesn't have to be you know, rocket science really to, to, to be successful and make money and help people. The, the interesting thing is actually it wasn't that easy to make. Uh-huh, um, yeah. So there are some other kind of big players on the market that make uh, fertility tests and kind of like ovulation tests. Mm-hmm. And if you do any research and most people wouldn't um, on kind of like patent filings in this space, yeah. Um, big players haven't been able to. So it was harder than you'd suspect, amazingly. Wow. Yeah. I guess it's one one of those things that you don't know until you get into the weeds and you realize that, <laughs> which is why. In your basement. So, yeah. 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 Kind of incredible. Wow. wow. And this, this market failure, right? Like you said, big market, clear need. These failures are what the fund is, is based on. Um, these are opportunities that are for financial return. Um, but also you, you can do well. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Great. So, so what in that investment, 
you you obviously knew the founder for a little bit of time, right? And, and you know, you went as as you mentioned, it went through the accelerator program. Do you get a lot of referrals kind of through that accelerator program where you're like, you know, checking that program? I'm sure that's a great deal flow f- source for you guys. Oh, it's it's amazing uh, deal flow. I would say between all of so we run actually a few different programs um, and we run an online pitch competition. So between all of those things, our inboxes, office hours, traveling, we we talk to or see about 2000 entrepreneurs or 2000 companies a year. Wow. Um, so it's, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. Sounds like it. But it's great. <laughs> yeah. The more the top of the funnel is, the better ones at the bottom. Yeah. 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 Sounds rewarding, but exhausting. And then, so, so being that you just launched the fund, I imagine it's a small team. Uh, how many, do you have a couple employees? How are you managing all of the, you know, back office operations and all of the compliance and everything else? Are you getting to that now? And, and what's that look like? No, we were set up pretty well ahead of time. Yeah. Um, so we have a fund administrator that, that mm-hmm. takes care of things. And we've got a, a fantastic law firm that we work with. Um, sure. So there's the two of us as general partners. We have um, a, a senior analyst that's been with us for the last okay. senior associate mm-hmm. that's been with us for the last year, actually a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a venture partner in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, and a technical okay. director um, that helps our teams with tech. Um, lots of founders either are non-technical founders or even the most technical founder needs help because they have a small team too. So right now yeah. there's five of us on the fun side. Great. And and so how active do you get in these companies? Do you, do you really actively take over or try and give direction or, or is it, um, is it more about the enter and enter and exit? Yeah, it, well, it's venture, so it's a little earlier. Sometimes the, com- the companies are they're in market. They're actually doing good number, revenue numbers, but they're still iterating the core product and the value mm-hmm. proposition. So we, we certainly will leave all those things to the founder. Our job, we think, is to help guide them um, around the potholes in the, in, in the road, right? They don't have yeah. to learn the things that Kenneth and I have already learned or the pains that we've already gone through. So we, we, it could be tech, it could be HR hiring, it could be uh, finance, but wherever we see the gaps, the holes, we'll, we'll jump in, help them through that and let them learn so they can know mm-hmm. going forward. Great. So as you speak about pains, I imagine, you know, throughout your careers and not, not even just starting the fund, but throughout your careers, there's been, I'm sure, a number of times where you've had, uh, you know, faced adversity square in the face and had to overcome a lot of challenges. Um, is there any that jump out that you want to talk about on the podcast or anything you want to mention on that side? Hmm. Yeah. Trying to think. I mean, it's, it's, it's always something. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, exactly. one specific thing I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say one of the things that I'm thoughtful about lately and often is we've sometimes had challenges the people that are want to do poverty work and not growth kind of work. So some groups, some foundations, some um, LPs um, will happily write you a check, a grant to do certain types of work with no return, uh, but are less interested for, the, for an investment in the exact same amount, right? 
somehow the uh, they essentially don't believe at the end of the day. Yeah. So, for example, like our fund, while we invest in companies led by women, companies led by black people, companies led by LGBTQ um, founders, like we're not a social impact fund. So we're here for, you know, to give market rate returns to our LPs. While we are black and some of our companies are led by black people, this isn't for social impact. It will impact. So there's, folks, there's an aspect. We're, we're here for like a regular return. Yeah. Um, and so that's been something we've had to struggle through a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to take funding <laughs> from a social impact fund. Don't get me wrong, fund yeah. of funds. Um, but that's not what, what we're here for. We're not here for a donation. We're not here for a handout. We're here to be taken mm-hmm. seriously as fund managers. Um, and not just because we're black fund managers. I know like Monique Woodard from uh, Cake Ventures the other day said, I'm not trying to be the best black general partner. I'm trying to be the best general partner. Yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. 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 Absolutely makes sense. And and I could see a lot of people that have misconceptions about that. Right. And they, they think that it's an impact fund only and, and they they're focused on that side and not on the returns aspect. But um, you know, clearly you can do both, um, you know, but your, with your, with your primary, uh, primary aspect of, of the fund is to, is to make solid returns. Yeah. Um, and, and this just happens to be an area that is underserved that you feel like is, is where the value is. I mean, in the market today, there's so, so much capital, I feel like searching for deals and searching for this stuff that, you know, it's it's sometimes hard to find these niche areas, especially in the United States. I mean, you, I had a guy on um, last week's episode that, you know, moved to Guyana and is trying to, um, you know, build hospitals and build hotels to to create infrastructure in Guyana in order to um, help the Guyanese people um, get the oil that they found in 2015 out of the ground and and pumping oil, but he. he grew up here. He's like, he grew up in Georgia and, you know, he had to go outside of the country to find, find that sort of opportunity. But there's, I feel like if you know where to look um, and, and you know how to look for it, then there's plenty of opportunity here as well. So yeah, absolutely. Um, great. So, so what else, what do you see for the future of, of Lightship and, and um, what are you guys focused on, you know, is there a fund two down the road? It's pretty early, I imagine, but oh, uh, yeah. there's a fund two. There's I can say it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we've got to deploy this capital um, yeah. as quickly as possible because uh, some of our LPs would like fund two to happen sooner rather than later, <laughs> um, which is crazy. But if you think about a, a $50 million fund, it, it, I guess it just depends on structure um, for, for each individual GP, but for us, we'll make 35 to 40 investments or initial investments into companies. So that's the number of companies in the portfolio. That's just not that many um, mm-hmm. over a few years. So, you know, just just based on what's out there in the landscape, I don't believe that it'll be that difficult to get to that number in the next three years. Um, and we could push out um plenty of capital over the next three years to get that done early. Yeah. Yeah. But fun two is, is up next fun three after that four or five. How many you got left in you? 
<laughs> I don't know if I'm there, but um, yeah, maybe That's I'll do the smaller one. <laughs> and, and so clearly you're, um, did you have a hard cap of 50 million and you wanted to keep it small, I imagine? Yeah, well, we intended on raising a $20 million fund. Oh, yeah. A $50 million hard cap. And then we ended up with $47, $48 million of commitment so far. So Got it. I imagine you're, yeah, most, it's, it's funny because like some funds, they, they say like their biggest problem is raising capital. Other funds, their biggest problem is deploying capital. And it, and it's always, you know, we have the saying like in our firm where it's like, you're pushing a boulder up a hill and then you don't know when that boulder is going to turn over to the next side. And then you're like trying to pull it back. Right. And there's, there's always a push and pull effect on, on that. But sounds like you're, you're not that you have any problems so far but the the as more problematic part of that is is trying to get these um get the funds out the door and invest um but you're seeing 2000 plus founders a year so you can clearly <laughs> <you really> do <laughs> yeah. that so. it's probably less about deal flow than it is about our own ability as a small team to get it done get it done fast yeah. enough without the same level of diligence for everybody right so but that, yeah. those growing pains we hear from our LPs are just standard. You kind of grow, you do some hiring, and you get better and better at it as it goes on. Mm-hmm. And fund two and three can get bigger, and the team can get bigger, and you, you know, over time without, you know, giving up any of, of the secret sauce of what you guys are, are doing over there. Can't wait. That's great. Fund two. I'm ready. Yeah. Exciting. You guys need to cover venture capital so we can come. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think that's down our uh, down our pathway at some point. Absolutely. Um, so, what I guess um, what advice would you give? You know, a minority founder, operator, owner, or or minority um, person that's that's studying finance that wants to get into this space. What what would you kind of tell them? What advice would you give them in terms of how to do it? Just talking about some car the day. I mean, what do we say? Run? No. <laughs> what do we go for it? We're talking about the fact that there is no front door to be a venture capitalist. Yeah. Like, there's no, there's no, you could come from the operator side, yeah. from a finance background. It's really more about, I believe, great networks of people, either from a fundraising perspective or from a portfolio support perspective. Do you have enough folks in your Rolodex that if you make an investment, they can help you to help them, right? Or do you have people in your Rolodex to even raise the fund in the first place, right? So networks, I think the best fund managers in the country are, are great networkers, I believe. Yeah, I, I think also just like great founders, many of us have like um, just wild curiosity. We're curious about everything mm-hmm. um, and learning more about lots of things. And I think that that's what helps build a great portfolio um, is, is trying to be curious about what the future holds for the world um, and being open to that being right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So meeting great founders, being curious about what they're building um, and being able to kind of see a vision of the future within that. Yeah. Like hormone tests and facial recognition and uh, <laughs> yeah, it all goes, it goes hand in hand. Right. And, and oh, all of it. All of it. Yeah. I can see it now. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's, I think the most exciting part, you know, from, from my standpoint, um, you know, certain investments are boring and certain investments are not. And clearly, um, venture by itself is not boring, but, but I think, um, with the focus that you guys have on, on 
the underserved areas of minority owned and operated businesses, I think is incredible. And I think it's, um, you know, it's really uh, heartwarming yet at the same time to see, you know, obviously it, it gives, gives a lot of um, opportunity to, to all of these people that are underserved. So it's, it's rewarding in so many ways. Yeah, it is. No, totally. Yeah. Well, anything else you uh, you want to mention on the podcast? Uh, you're not fundraising for Fund Two, so we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll mention that one later. But um, anything else? Well, you can you can follow me on Twitter at, at Brian Brackeen, and if you you know do you want to hear about Fund Two, please reach out so we know who you are. <laughs> Yeah. For, for next year or whatever. Yeah, I'm at Candace Racking, Candace with an I. Um, I don't know. I, well, you know what? They could uh, come watch Twitch Pitch on Tuesday and Thursday nights on Twitch. That's right. Okay. Um, so it's twitch.tv backslash Lightship Capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, we do an online pitch competition uh, every quarter. These same groups of people. So it really is. Wow. Yeah, and we've invested in the first you. Yeah, we've had two seasons. We invested in, in, in. Can we talk about that? Yeah, know. we can now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've invested in another one, so two. There you go. Yeah. There you go. That's exciting. And if they want more information about that, obviously, if they didn't catch the 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 Twitch, they can probably find it on your website. Absolutely. I imagine. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Dot capital. Mm-hmm. Great. Well. Thank you both so much for joining me on the Fun Views podcast. This is definitely a, a, a different view, and I'm looking forward to um, to talking with both of you in the future. With you know, over the years, but um, really appreciate the uh, the time. Thanks so much. Great, thank Thanks. you. And that's it for today's show. I hope you found it insightful and entertaining. If you did, give us a like, follow, or subscribe on your favorite streaming or social media platform at. Fun Views Podcast or funviewspodcast.com. Until next time.